Go Loud presents the Lennon Courtney podcast. Alan Lyons, business psychologist to the stars. Welcome to the Minnesota of the Lennon Courtney podcast on boundaries. We could think of nobody better to be the expert voice than you today. Actually, Sonia, I'm just going to say that sounded like he's standing on a boundary. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's standing on a boundary, Brendan. Love it. Everybody. Um, so, yeah, so we, we, we recorded an episode on boundaries because we're pretty fascinated by the concept of boundaries and we're really mm. only beginning to understand them now. Is that fair to yeah. say, Brendan? Yeah, I was, again, mentioned that. I mentioned that holiday. I was on holiday and I read a load of books and one book really st- stuck with me. And I actually can't remember what it is. Uh, I remember what it was. It was uh, The Illusion of Limitation by Guy Finley. And it's a really, it's kind of mind altering. It's almost goes into, you know, the universe versus biology and every way we think about ourselves, we're just a construct. But the real take out for me was, about how important it is to set boundaries and I'd never would you mm. believe at the ripe old age of 51 I'd never properly done that with a very group close group my family basically yeah. <laughs> all of us it is Brendan <laughs> yeah and, and it really has been very help, helpful and very helpful now I'm not sure, I've done it in a kind of clunky red one book kind of way so we thought it'd be great to talk to somebody who's professional and get proper tips and maybe a free session I mean <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you're 51, Brendan. You look like a child. Fair well, play to you. I'm here. I'm like a Melchior. <laughs> so I suppose the question, Alan, is if you, if you haven't really got to the point where you understand how to set boundaries, what's the starting point? So, uh, yeah, and what's well, the purpose? What's the purpose as well? Yeah, okay. Well, look, uh, are, we, are we filming now or recording now? Yeah. Okay, great. Apologies. So look, guys, it's a really topical one that you've chosen and I was actually curious about why you chose it because if you actually think of the um the great resignation which we've all heard about it's actually just a great re-evaluation of our boundaries and our relationship with work and actually if you think about it people have had a little distance from their manager actually they've actually it's not that they want to resign but they want to change their relationship with work actually they want work maybe to work around their lives rather than the other way around which actually tells us that we had the boundaries all wrong you know that they were blurred because when you when you can't disconnect your identity from what you're doing then that's a good telltale sign that the boundaries are are pear-shaped so I actually think this is the perfect time to be talking about boundaries because people now are always trying to change their lives but can now become more enthusiastic and I think that's what you're describing Brendan about being who you are because we sleepwalk through life and we actually you know, it was a, there was a lovely study by a palliative care nurse in Australia who was looking at the biggest regrets from people who are about to die. You might have come wow. across this. Now, yeah. It's a book now, uh, isn't it? It's a, she's turned it into a book. I think Maybe. it started as a, 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 a blog. It's I a actually book. got a chill when you said that. I actually, yeah. Yeah, wow. And they're the big ones. The five you know, regrets of life, isn't that? It's called, called something and, like And the number one is, if I could live my life again, I wouldn't care what other people thought so much. <laughs> so basically, you know, what it is, is we're living uh, boundaryless lives. And actually, we could give it a go. I'd set my boundaries. I'd have a value in myself. I know what I, I become more enthusiastic about my own psychology, not other people's. So interesting you say that. I, we have a catchphrase, right, which we developed together, which grew out of 
I suppose Sonia being a woman in, in professional life for a long time and me coming out as a gay man and we put our heads yeah. together and the ultimate, everything ends with nobody cares, right? Yeah. So yeah. that was a beautiful gift about coming out at my, in the 90s, which might yeah. be in 1990. Yeah, and because I've had support and love, I could I could go. Well, I don't care what they think. If they think yeah. it's wrong, me being gay, that's their stuff. Yeah. So yeah. that yeah. was a great foundation to build on. Actually, I don't really know. Fundamentally, yeah. you want to look nice and you want to fit in a little bit and you want to have friends and all that. But the 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 core value of actually, even if you fuck up in life, yeah, nobody yeah. cares. They go home. I always yeah. they go home, feed their kids, put them to bed, put the telly on, and they stop thinking about you. They're not thinking about yeah. you. And yeah. I was working recently with a big group of people who have posh accents, very contrived posh accents. They are in, in, a, in an environment where they are literally, and as you described, they're working in an environment where they are not them, they are the work. And they are trying mm. to, I was like, this must be a nightmare. Because it's like living on a, 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 you know, a street in 1950s Ireland where you're concerned what Mrs. Jones thinks about you. And my grandmother, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. famous yeah. what my grandmother said to my aunt one day in the 70s, would you ever take that coat off? Joan Bean will think you've only one coat. And Joan yeah. Bean was the neighbour. And my aunt was like, I do only have one coat. <laughs> <laughs> she, they yeah. Were about what they had. So we've, we've, and Ireland, I think, was boundaryless, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. And I, I wonder, Brendan, for you, it sounds like because you, you had an intervention, because you had to, there was something that made you press pause. You had to come out and think about it. But a lot of people don't. So that was actually an advantage you had. We sleepwalk. You know, we don't think about these things. And I actually think this is this pandemic has actually been a bit of an intervention for people to reevaluate. Well, what are my values? What are my boundaries? You know, what's my psychology? What do I want? And then when you begin to share them, like you share them with your family, that's really powerful. And normally the first thing people say is, why didn't you tell me earlier? Yeah. 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 Alan, what what are the telltale signs that you don't have defined boundaries well normally it's when first of all people always talk about boundaries but actually they're quite nebulous because you can't actually see them so a good telltale sign is if you're in a working relationship where you feel depleted at the end of it but also you don't really even know who you are you're on somebody else's emotional roller coaster as in you're giving yourself over to a relationship or indeed work but you haven't separated that you know and, and if you and if you can if you you know and people don't want you to by the way organizations are quite happy that they're boundaryless actually the only people that are uh, concerned about you setting boundaries are the ones that actually don't want you to have them and you're seeing that now with a lot of leaders wanting people to come back into the office and they talk about oh we're losing culture but actually what they feel is we're losing control and i'm actually you're starting to think for yourself and your identity is coming out and it's actually not suiting me in a way you know so telltale signs is depletion uh you know getting caught up in uh, other people's needs, actually not being sure of your own values, what you want. Mums have it, Sonia, perfect one, coming back to work. If I take a bit of time out for myself, do I feel selfish? Or actually, is it something that's being self-sufficient? If you're feeling selfish, it's a telltale sign that maybe you have to address looking at boundaries for yourself and discussing them. Can I ask, so very macro, I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit, but... How can, and the two of you will know this world very well, so what you've described is this probably a bit of a crisis in workforces, right? And, that, yeah. and we, we, we talk mostly to women, basically, who, who like what we do, and, and a lot of them are professional women as well, and a lot of them are leaders. How can 
modern corporate world evolve with this? I mean, because obviously thinking has changed. So how does it, how does an office change? Well, I, I actually, sorry, I'll jump ahead of you, but I actually, not only is it not a crisis, I think it's the best thing that could have happened because we've known that change was needed in organizations for people to have their own identity, to be able to make a contribution and live their own lives. You've, you, you guys have done it, but you've had to be very deliberate about it. But other people are sleepwalking through it. So we've known for years that we need to change our relationship with work. But actually, we don't. Yeah. And you look at the, there's great leaders in this, Linda Gratton from the Dundas School of Economics, going in, setting presentations, how you're killing your people. They're not allowed to be themselves. You know, work is actually not good for your health, et cetera, et cetera. And we all, you know, sit through the presentation. But because of the pandemic, hybrid and the changing our relationship with working, it's actually made us actually put all that research into practice. And if you look at the, the CEO uh, of Microsoft, Nadella, he said that, they have done in six months of the pandemic in digital transformation what they couldn't have done in six years. Right. And I actually think it's the same in the workplace. We've done in six months in the workplace what we couldn't. You had business psychologists shouting from the rooftops, this isn't the way to do it. People need to have boundaries, lift their values, and people nod their heads, nothing's done about it. So I actually think it's a real positive thing. Oh, I love these conversations, I have to say. This is me in my happy place. I think the one relationship that is very difficult to set boundaries with is your parents. It, it, that because the the, ch- the little boy, the little girl, in yeah, you yeah, needs yeah. approval. You go back into old habits. It's very tricky yeah. because there's a lot of yeah. emotion. What do you do with those kind of relationships? Well, I would say first of all, Brian, you're you're spot on, right? They're the trigger points. So it sounds easy sitting there with the textbook. But the thing is that you can't actually change other people, okay? But actually, sometimes when we think about changing boundaries, we think about changing our parents. And that will drive us demented, you know, or even anybody. But what we can do is change our experience of them by focusing on what's right and what our boundaries are. Now, the other thing where you will annoy them, because they love you and we're all forgivable. So that's why you can actually have a Barney. In the workplace, we have to pretend or at least keep our emotions intact because we won't be forgiven as easily. But what you can do is, rather than a good tip, start small. Don't come in and say, right, that's it. Uh, Here's my life purpose. I'm changing all my values and your boundaries and you have to buy into it. Start with tiny little things, but also give them in behavioral descriptors about what you want to be different in your relationship with them. You know, so don't tell them, you know, uh, it really annoys me every time you do this, you. And then they'll, you'll just trigger and you get into an argument. But actually, give a descriptor of what you want instead of that. And actually, people aren't so emotionally reactive to it. And they can join the conversation with you. And what's really interesting about setting boundaries is most people keep them in their head. We don't actually talk. But even saying them out loud to somebody that you trust, you actually helps you make sense of what they actually are for you. Yeah. You know, so so they're, they're really healthy conversations, but start small, give them. It's a bit like values in organizations. People say, do you have values? You go, yeah. And then you have to go running out to reception to find out what they are. And they're also like, oh, honesty. Is honesty a value or is it a freak? So but actually get the behavioral descriptors down with your relationships with people, you know, so so they can actually see it and feel it. So it's not so, uh, you know, because I get defensive if my child come in to me and said, right, I haven't had boundaries. <laughs> Here we go. Because every time you do this, that's not a healthy conversation. You know what it's I about, said, yeah. You know that get out. <laughs> you know. After all, I've done for you. Yeah. No. Yeah. But 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 it's really healthy and set. It's exactly to Esther's point. It's the same with any relationship. We're all trying to change other people and change ourselves. Here's two big things. Number one, we can't change anybody else unless they want to change. And number two, not only can we not change our personalities, we shouldn't be trying to. 
we should actually be looking to uh, become more enthusiastic about who we are, stretch our worlds, learn our values. And even the whole thing about self-development, we're fine just as we are. Actually develop who you are rather than actually have constantly improve and change because that's not going to happen anyway. You know, we don't change ourselves, our personalities. We stretch our worlds and getting enthusiastic about what that looks like and your boundaries and values are the starting point of that. That's the real. And th- that's the, and people then will respond differently to you. So I am being a bit, when I'm saying you can't change other people, by changing yourself, you'll elicit different behaviours from others. That's the good starting point. I, I often say, you know, like things happen in our lives and you have the happening in the centre and wrapped around the happening is our emotional response. And... Um, you know, would you think that there's something in timing about having these conversations? Because in my experience, the worst time to have them is when the emotion is wrapped around the happening. Yeah. Um, and and it's, it's better to kind of let that sort of dissipate somewhat and then have a sort of an emotional, emotionless response to, to what you want to achieve. Yeah, you know, as you're talking about, if you go with your amygdala, you're using the primitive part of your brain, you're nearly going in looking for a fight or doing them out of anger, but you should be setting them on your own to crystallize what they look like, get interested in your own psychology, and then you schedule the chat with the other person so it's more deliberate and intentional that it doesn't come up when you see a boundary being broken that you'd already worked out in your head you didn't want to be broken, when you might have shared that, you know? So definitely, to Sonia's point, get them down first and then, you know, have a conversation. And don't do it after an argument. And don't do it if you're stressed yourself. Actually, be deliberate and intentional about it. It must be similar to Brendan, how you approached uh, coming out with your family. You know, you must have spent time. It kind of came to a head. It became obvious. And I was living at home. Excuse me. And it became obvious. And I was living, I mean, I was only 19. It was very, it was, I was very lucky that I could because lots of my friends' parents kicked them out. You know, it was 1989, 1990, and their parents just, they were living in, and none of those, none of their lives have ended well. The people that I knew, the parents yeah. turned backs on, it was awful. But I was lucky, and most of my friends were pretty lucky, but we knew people in the bars who were like, no, my family don't talk to me anymore. And, you know, yeah. 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 Ireland has changed massively. So that was that, I've, I used to, we used to do fashion show talk things where we would get up and talk about confidence and make people over. And a big part of my conversation was the celebration of women in their past 40, I would say, you know, as a gay man, I had to go through a self-realization process when I came out and I had to think about, I was okay. And I actually kind of like me or do I like mm. me or not? And you can yeah. see the way runaway gays in London who, now, who didn't deal with the people yeah, yeah, yeah. dealt with their families dealt. And then I said, and women generally after I've experienced after a certain time in their lives, particularly when it's come to menopause, it just is a very big generalization. Um, think about themselves and go, yeah. oh, the kids are gone. Actually, who yeah. am I now? And they have that lucky self-realization process. And I was like, and most heterosexual men are not even encouraged to think about it. Yeah. We're yeah. in a very fortunate place as women and gay men now. We must yeah. put our arms around our brothers and go, have a yeah. look in there and have a think about who, you know. So we used to talk a lot about that. So it's naturally been in us to yeah. talk about that and we used it honestly we used it as a way to celebrate women really and go you're amazing you know yeah, yeah, you're, you're 45 but it's only starting blah 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 blah. We, you know so that's it was a ultimately thing. alan it's only a matter of time before the women and the gays take over uh, if they haven't already but but i also think brendan there's there's a what you described there as the runaway gays in london there's learning in that too you know, you're nearly learning what you don't want and when it's not, uh, and you're running away from your boundaries. So, I mean, you know, they talk about no mud, no lotus in Buddhism, you know. The, the lotus is the enlightenment. The mud is the messy bit. 
So there's learning of that messy bit as well. So it's a, and I'm making the analogy or the uh, metaphor using the great resignation of what what's happened in the workplace now as a similar thing. It's a it's a kind of a people are in, in organizational psychology they talk about Kurt Lewin, we have freeze, unfreeze, freeze. So normally we're in a frozen, nobody changes anything. We have an intervention, we have something like this that we all go through together and we're all in on freeze. So now is the time, it's the opportunity to make these changes. Now the bad the bad thing is though, Brendan, very quickly we'll go back to freeze again. And we forget the way we had this. So it's about taking the opportunity now with the different conversations, just like you've described Ireland changing the relationship with viewing gay people. Yeah, right. At the start of COVID, I, I did a thing called Ireland on Call from the Department of Health with the whole all the heads. And we, you know, it was a big topic of discussion. We were putting together a TV show. We were announcing the numbers every day. It was mad. And talking to a, I can't remember who it was, but he was a HSC psychologist. And I said, the world's never going to be the same. He said, oh, humans have very short memories. <laughs> We'll go right back, and I said, "Really?" He said, "Oh yeah, we'll go. Be, we'll. It'll be like it never happened." And I was like, yeah, "Wow, yeah. that that blew my mind." But yeah. the, the one thing that struck me, and I was chatting side a set with a group of people the other day again, group of people, uh, women actually, we we're having a laugh, and I honestly have definitely used the. Could uh, be careful now, but it's true. I have definitely cleared my little black book out. There are relationships I've just cut. Yeah, yeah. We don't see these people that much. We were hanging on to something that was in the past. Now, if I met them, it would be great to bump into them and have a chat. Yeah. Relationships, and these women were saying, "Yeah, that's happened to me too." You know, yeah, they're like, yeah. there were relationships that just sort of fell aside, and because you had to work at the ones to try and stay two meters apart, and not, you know, so it was a real mm-hmm. proper boundary. So that was hard work to keep those relationships there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you're, and again. That happens naturally anyway, the slips anyway. But I mean, and then if, if there's somebody you, you wanted to keep uh, close, but there were, you know, maybe crossing boundaries, but then it, then you look at actually having the conversation around setting boundaries with them, you know, in a healthy way, you know. Mm-hmm. So be, people dramatize it, especially if they come off a course or a book about as big boundaries, not just annoys people, small little things. And even opening up the conversation is the healthy way to do it. Alan, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks, Sonia. Thanks, Brendan.